So hi, welcome to Trial Call 10. I'm Jim Crosby. I'm a business trial lawyer here in San Diego. I have my own business litigation and trial practice and have been working up and trying civil cases for coming up on 40 years. I love trial work and I think you will find my great trial lawyer guest do as well. Trial Call 10 is about San Diego trial lawyers and trial practice. The setup is this. I pose 10 questions about trial practice and trials to San Diego trial lawyers, same 10 questions each time, but different lawyers. Through these questions and more importantly, the answers, reflections and comments of my fine trial lawyer guests, I hope to give you a sense of the ups and downs, the nuts and bolts and the joys and realities of trial practice. I am really uh, pleased and, and frankly kind of honored to, uh, to have Alan Brubaker as my guest today. Alan and I have been friends for a long time. He's one of the true uh, uh, true trial lawyers in this town. And I say that with um, with great envy. And uh, uh, Alan's a real, a real trial lawyer. He tries lots of cases, tries them all the time, and tries very difficult wins. He is um, a, a partner of uh, the long-established San Diego firm of Wingert, Grebbing, Baker, and Jeske, LLP. And he served as the managing partner a couple of different times over the years. He is a uh, a member of the American Board of Trial Advocates San Diego chapter, of which he served as the president. He was also the president of the Calaboda and an advocate for that organization. He's a fellow at the American College of Trial Lawyers. He is an instructor at the National Institute of Trial Advocacy. And this was very interesting. I saw you served as special counsel to the San Diego County Grand Jury. That must have been very interesting. Um, He is uh, on the Board of Visitors, serving as the chair, Board of Visitors of the USD School of Law. He served as an arbitrator and judge pro tem in the Superior Court. He is on, you know, the best lawyer lists of everything in the world. Uh, I could go on for about five minutes here. In 2015, he was the recipient of the Daniel T. Broderick III Professionalism and Civility Award. And in 2018, he was the recipient of the Hughes-McClanahan Civility Award presented by the local chapter of Aboda. He's a lecturer, he's a a teacher at various places, and he is a true uh, trial lawyer. So, Alan, I'm really happy to have you here. I'm pleased to be here, Jim. Thanks for asking me. Okay, here we go. The trial call 10. One, what was your path to becoming a trial lawyer? Well, it began with uh, a love for Perry Mason. Ah. (laughs) And uh, then a great torts professor at USD Law in 73 and a great evidence professor at USD Law in 74. And then the great fortune of landing at this law firm uh, among great trial lawyers, I uh, as a law clerk uh, while wow. at USB in the summer of '74, and I've been at this spot ever since. So you must have had some mentors at your firm when you were a young lawyer. Yeah, some great lawyers: John Wingert, Mike Anello, Tom Lavoy, uh, some of the all-time greats, and of course those that remain with me, including Charlie Grebbing and Bob Jeske. Um. What part, uh, question number two, what part of a trial do you find the most fulfilling? And you can't say winning. That's too easy. (laughs) 
that was by choice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but everybody, but that, anybody that anybody that tries tries cases says winning. So <laughs> that's fun. But certainly close to that, finishing the case, having presented it as best we're able as trial lawyers, and then arguing the case to the jury uh, for the client are uh, times that I find most fulfilling uh, in my trial work. Yeah, I like finishing too. I mean, I I I, I think trials are kind of an unknown thing at, at times. You know, you prepare and you get ready to go and you have your plan. And then you go in and you kind of lose control and it's the judge's room and you have a bunch of people in there and jurors and it's always it's always good to be finished one way or the other i have to say so true part of the magic is all the surprises along the way yeah i was i was talking to a friend of mine about trial practice and i was telling her that uh, i don't remember a trial where some witness didn't say something that i didn't expect oftentimes your own client yes it seems inevitable somehow no matter how well you prepare yeah. So number three, this is the one I'm always interested in. What part of a trial do you dread? Well, I personally have always struggled with jury selection. I, I work hardest at it, uh, and I and I want to be better at it uh, and more engaged at it. I Most recently in the trials that I've had, I've had the benefit of a jury consultant assisting along the way and guiding some of the inquiry. Uh, so that we find out the most important information from our prospective jurors. Um, but I find it tough, tough to get them to open up and to really talk honestly with you about their issues as they relate to the issues in the case. Yeah, and you're asking them very personal questions and you don't know them and it's, they're in a room with a bunch of other people. It's, it's very, very difficult. I'm interested in your comment about jury consultants. Is that something new to your practice in recent Relatively, years? Or? I'd say, you know, in the last seven to 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I, whenever I can, I take one with me to court just because of their social sense and their psychological sense. And did they do backgrounds on the jurors or? Did they, they do. Depends mm -hmm. on the case. Uh, mm -hmm. But do do backgrounds as often as possible. <clears throat> I remember you telling me a couple of years ago in a conversation about some very serious um, child abuse cases. Um, that you've been handling over the years. That's serious, serious work. I'm curious if you used jury consultants in those cases. We have. Uh, it, it's so shocking the number of prospective jurors that have molest experience in their lives, if not themselves as victims, members of their families, uh, members, uh, you know, of, of friends that, that, that have gathered. So it's really rare to find a juror without some experience with uh, molestation in childhood and uh, boy, the sensitivity with those inquiries and the number of times we have to be uh, speaking privately with the judge so that, so that the juror can feel uh, an, an ability to be candid about their own life experience and how it might affect their ability to listen to evidence in the case. Well, I can't imagine questioning jury on those jurors on those topics if it, they reveal uh, some histories. As tough as can be, it really is. Um. <laughs> Okay, this is what I'm interested in because I do. Do you have some voodoo good luck token that you take with you to trial or a particular pre-trial ritual? No, I have one for the golf course, but but not for trial. I I refer back to my law professor uh, in evidence at USD 
Professor Edward M. Winkelried. Uh, M. Winkelried ultimately wrote the book, the Horn Book on California evidence, and he developed a small handbook uh, about the size that would fit in a pocket in your briefcase. So I never go to trial without that handbook of evidence by my uh, evidence professor in Winkleread. Um, and, you know, I feel free to reference it during, during breaks at trial when we have special evidentiary issues come up. So do you have an old dog-eared copy of it that you've been using for years? For years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, there it is. That's it. it. Yeah. It's got one of those soft but capable uh, covers. So it's not torn up, but it's uh, it's well used. Let me ask you this: When you this is a little offshoot, when you're when you're trying cases, you know, so much as video and and media these days, are you uh, you have a lot of stuff when you go to trial? I remember yeah, I, I tried a case I tried a case last year, and I lugged a bunch of stuff to trial every day, and I got to concluding towards the end of it that I didn't really need half of this stuff. Yeah, that's what I'm beginning to learn as well. I'm still really dependent on paper, but mm-hmm. I have great helpers and often take an assistant from one of the court reporting firms uh, to trial to do the computer work because it seems always to go wrong uh, yeah. no matter how, how well you prepare for all of that technology. Yeah, I try to keep hands off all that stuff at trial too because once I touch it, it breaks, it seems yeah. like. So. And to stay focused on what you're doing. Yeah. All right. Uh, number five, what aspect of a trial practice do you think other lawyers like transactional lawyers, in-house people, people that don't try cases at all, could not understand until they have actually tried a case. What is it about trial work that other lawyers don't understand? I think it's how detailed the factual challenges are that we face, how rigorous the preparation to get into and through those facts, and how grueling the actual effort to get it ready and to take it into trial uh, can be. And I, I think other lawyers, transactional, in-house, and otherwise, folks that don't try cases just don't have those kinds of experiences. Uh, it, it's at war, if you will, getting ready for it and and taking it in. Often, you know, often most difficult uh, in terms of uh, often most difficult. Sorry, Jim, this phone ringing. Apologies. It's all right. New system. Can't <laughs> They're insist. They really yeah. want to talk to you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the grueling aspects of trial practice are hard to explain to people, frankly. So agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Particularly long trials. Uh, yeah. Are, are so difficult. Um, What's your I, longest trial? Uh, six weeks. Yeah, that's about mine. And I always beat after two. Yeah. It, it can, you, you've got to pace yourself. It's like studying for the bar. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, number six, do you speak with jurors after the trial is over? I assume yes. And what do you ask them? And yes. why? <laughs> we always speak to the jury after because it's the most valuable information sometimes that we can draw out of the experience. And I take my staff down, a young lawyer, my paralegal, and, uh, you know, the jury tends to spread out and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we'll talk to three or four in one group. They tend to be folks that maybe saw things similarly. Uh, so we ask always what sealed the deal and uh, what they discussed, what they thought 
most important, which is often something we've overlooked or not given enough attention to. And then I ask uh, how we could have made their jobs easier, how we could have made the thing simpler and uh, shorter, if you will. Are you uh, continually surprised what jurors tell you? Always. <laughs> it, me, it's me too. Yeah. What they find important uh, sometimes is just shocking. Um, I do think, um, I've said this in a couple of the other podcasts too, I do think um, they do have this kind of collective sense of right and wrong. And and they kind of come to the right most of the time, not always, but most all the time. They come to the right conclusion because of this kind of collective effort. It's just odd how they get there most of the time. Yeah, I so agree. I mean, I'm a real believer in the system and in the value of a jury trial in our civil disputes. Mm -hmm. Um, Let me ask this an offshoot. Do you try cases by yourself or do you have a team? I guess it probably depends on the case. but It does. I've historically tried them alone more recently because they somehow get larger and the exposures get greater. I've tried them uh, with a second lawyer and I say now I wouldn't try a case alone. If I have the luxury of bringing along one of my colleagues. Um, Okay, number seven. What advice do you give your clients about their demeanor and conduct in court? I tell my clients that the jury's watching them from the moment we arrive at the front doors of the courthouse to the time we leave and how they dress, what jewelry they wear, what their demeanor might be. you know, what they're doing with their telephone, with their cell phone, um, and, and, and how they're communicating with me as their lawyer, with us as their lawyers, uh, is something, you know, critically important. I had a client that had the prettiest turquoise blue Bentley convertible. Hmm. And I told him uh, after the day in preparation before we started trial that he wasn't to drive that car into downtown San Diego. Huh. Uh, until the case was over. We didn't want anyone seeing that. Yeah, I think they're watching us, too. They're not only watching our clients, they're watching us, too, all the time. agree. Yeah, and how we deal with court staff and Mm -hmm. uh, how pleasant we are with others. Uh, It builds trust from the very beginning. Yeah, which follows the normal and and, uh, I think bottom line rule is you always always teach the court, treat the court clerk courteously so and especially so in front of a jury so so agree the jury's watching um okay number eight what general advice do you give your clients about the risk of a trial and i'm curious not only what you tell them and when you tell them well uh, i i talk with clients about the rigors of trial and its challenges, the expense of trying a case, the risks that associate with trying a case. But I do it in context with my total trust in the jury system and my belief that if we're direct, honest, and invested in the facts of our case and in the integrity of the case that we're presenting to the jury, that things will go well. Uh, Clearly, we don't ultimately control what the jury does with the case and uh, cases can be lost and that can be devastating. Uh, that's part of the discussion uh, at the outset, certainly part of the discussion when we're trying to get a case resolved in settlement or mediation. Um, what's what's the next step if we don't resolve and what are the risks? And I, I 
I think I know the answer to this question. Do you, you know, provide him with the advice on kind of the ultimate question when they ask you if you think they're going to win or lose? Do you, do you pipe in on that? Obviously, with the the provisos, you know, that we all have to deal with. Sure, I, you know, I'll, I'll project potentials and I tell them I like the case. I I, I think we're going to win this case seven out of ten times, eight out of yeah. ten times. That's sort of a projection, but no guarantees ever about what's going to result in a jury trial. Yeah. I tell clients who say something to me like, well, I talked to this other lawyer and he said there was no way these he could lose this case. I said, well, he's never tried too many cases. I don't. Yeah, think. exactly. If one hasn't lost them, one hasn't tried many. Okay. Number nine, what do you do to celebrate, celebrate a trial win or get over a trial loss? I go drinking. Straight, yeah. <laughs> straight to the bar. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> For from, both, from one bar to the next, <laughs> from the bar, from the bar in court to the bar across the street. How do you, uh, how do you deal with it with a loss? I, you know, I, I, I kind of above the opinion to just never get over your losses. They're, they just kind of rattle around in your head for a while. That's my experience, also. Uh, you know, one of the real challenges about being in trial, particularly long ones, is what happens to your practice while you're there. Oh, God. I, and, and and so when we return from trial, the demands on our time are are ever greater. Uh, yeah, you, you go on the apology tour, you know. Yes, exactly. Sometimes worse than having been on vacation. Yeah, exactly. Work done for other clients. Yeah. Uh, but losses are tough and they do stay with you. Do you find that uh, your trials go longer than you expected or? Uh, no, I'm not experiencing that so much. I mean, I really try to get at it, knowing that if we can keep it shorter, then we're going to keep their focus more easily. And, you know, I find the judges really constructive in setting time limits and asking for projections of how long will your case take to put on and holding lawyers to those kinds of time restrictions. Um, you're mostly state court lawyer, aren't you? Yeah, most of my cases have been tried in state court, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But you're trying cases outside of San Diego quite often, too. Quite, yes. Are you? Do you do outside of the state? Uh, well, we have, yeah. I, you know, not recently tried a federal case in uh, Spokane, Washington, a few years ago. Oh, IP. wow. Interesting okay. experience. Okay, number 10. What is the most valuable piece of advice you received about doing trial work? And would you give the same advice to a young lawyer just starting their litigation practice? Yes, I did receive advice and I continue to give it to young lawyers that there's no area, my view, no area of law practice more personal, engaging and, and challenging than trial work. And that working hard and being yourself is no better rewarded than in a jury's verdict in your client's favor at the end of a case and trial. Yeah, I think being yourself is uh, the best advice experienced trial lawyers can give new trial lawyers. I mean, I think juries know posers. So. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, we can certainly learn a lot from one another, seeing great trial lawyers uh, in practice. Uh, but yeah, you've just got to be yourself. Uh, you, I, I agree. The jury just picks it up if, if it isn't you and it isn't coming from the heart. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, well, that's the trial call 10. Now I have a bonus question, which you don't know about, but I ask of everybody. And I'll set the stage. You're um, you're you're three weeks into a trial. It's a it's a slugfest. Um, it's Wednesday night. You're cross examining either their expert or or the or the uh, the principal on the other side. Uh, it's ten o'clock at night. You're in your office. You're probably all by yourself. Uh, what's your drink and what's your music? <laughs> Well, the drink is probably uh, a society IPA. Oh, and there you go. I think some jazz in the background. New Orleans jazz. Oh, I like that stuff, too. Um, have you been in New Orleans? Yes. I'm sure you have. Man, the yeah. music's great down there, isn't it? Great town. Yeah, my paralegal just got back. She had a great you time. You just go down there and you eat too much, you drink too much, you listen to oh, great well, music, yeah. and then you pour yourself back on a plane, it seems like. <laughs> town has gotten so dirty. It's crazy. Yeah, it, it we were there uh we were there about three years ago, just before COVID. And mm -hmm. uh but it was fun. It was lots of yeah, fun. no, it's a great town. Well, um, Alan, thank you very much. Um, as always, I learn a lot from you when I talk to you about try trying cases. Um, um uh please tell the uh the audience where they can get information about your practice and about you and where they might contact you if they want you to handle a case for them. Yeah, on the on the website at Wingert Law directly. And uh, I'm always available. I, I tend to be one that works in the office, not at home. So I can always be reached here by email or or directly by phone. And I certainly invite anyone uh, listening to the podcast that has interest in chatting to give me a call directly. Let me ask you another question, Alan. You've been a lawyer a long time. You know, I've been a lawyer a long time and you've been a lawyer longer than me. Um do you like the work? Obviously, after all these years, you do because you're still doing it. But what are your thoughts about being a lawyer after what, forty-five years? Is that uh, is 40, that where you are? Forty-five years at it. Um, it it doesn't get easier. Yeah, is my experience, and there are greater demands of us as we mature and uh, as we gain the experience and. Uh, so those aspects are, are tough. I, I want to make sure that I get out of the game on top of my game. So there's, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, there, there will be a time, and I think I'll know it, uh, when it is time to hang it up. And um, I, don't, I don't see it yet. I don't have a date uh, mm -hmm. in mind. I do think as you get older, if you keep trying cases, the, the cases get harder. And more at stake and more demanding clients and more is expected of you in trying these cases. I so agree, Jim. That's my experience as well. Which is not a bad thing. I think that's a good thing. <laughs> well, well <I'm> <laughs> Alan, thank you very much. And this thank is you, Jim Cross. Alan, thank you. I'm sorry. I interrupted. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Uh, this is Jim Crosby. You can find information on my practice at www.crosbyattorney.com. And I will see you next time on Trial Call 10. Thanks, Alan. Thank you, Jim.